Hi everyone, this is Monica Reinagel, the Nutrition Diva, here with your quick and dirty tips for eating well and feeling fabulous. Welcome. The Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee recently released their long-awaited report, which will now shape the next edition of the Dietary Guidelines for Americans, which is due to be released later this year. These guidelines are reviewed and updated every five years in light of the latest science. The changes tend to be pretty incremental, but we did get one big change this year. The experts have finally acknowledged that the cholesterol in foods like eggs and shrimp isn't something that we really need to worry about. And you can be sure that the champagne corks were popping over at the American Egg Board offices. Meanwhile, at the National Beef Association headquarters, they were crying in their beer. That's because the latest report continues to characterize red meat as something that we should be avoiding or eating less of. And this is based on the fact that people who eat a lot of red meat tend to have higher rates of heart disease, cancer, and slightly lower life expectancy. Now, I have always had a bit of a problem with quote-unquote red meat as a category. For one thing, it seems a little bit arbitrary to me. Animals with four legs are considered red meat, and animals with two legs, or fins, are usually considered white meat. But when you look at the actual nutrient composition of meats, the factors that might distinguish red and white meat from one another cut across these categories. Myoglobin, for example, is the compound that gives meat its reddish color, but there's more myoglobin in chicken and turkey legs than there is in veal or pork. Dr. Walter Willett of the Harvard School of Public Health believes that the high amount of heme iron in red meat might play a role in red meat-related disease, yet there's more iron in a serving of shrimp than there is in a serving of flank steak. I also think that the red meat category is so broad that it makes statistical relationships between red meat and disease sort of meaningless. Fast food burgers are red meat, and so is grass-fed bison tartare. But we eat a whole lot more burgers than bison in this country. So how much of this observed relationship between red meat and disease is really a link between fast food and disease. It's really hard to say. And finally, the reports so often gloss over the amounts involved. In most of these analyses, the people that are seeing increased rates of heart disease or cancer are eating a couple of servings of red meat a day. And those who are eating a couple of servings of red meat a week or a month have virtually the same disease rates as those who eat no red meat at all. Eating meat, red or otherwise, is strictly optional, of course, but if you want to include red meat in your diet, I think you can. Now, how you prepare it and how much of it you eat and what you eat it with all matter. So here are four quick and dirty tips for keeping it healthy. Number one, try to keep it wet. Cooking red meat with moist heat helps prevent the formation of inflammatory and carcinogenic compounds. So stewing, braising, sous vide, and slow cookers are all excellent methods to use. And as a bonus, these cooking methods are a great way to tenderize less expensive cuts of meat. My second tip is to spice it up. 
When you do want to grill, broil, or roast your meat, so using dry heat, you can greatly decrease the formation of harmful compounds by using marinades and spice mixes. And I talked more about that in my episode on grilled meat and cancer. My third tip is to pair your red meat with potatoes or other foods that contain starch. And this is something a little bit new. Researchers recently discovered that eating more resistant starch can block the cancer-promoting effects of red meat, specifically in the colon. Whole grains and legumes contain resistant starch. And also, as I talked about in a previous episode, cooking and then cooling potatoes or pasta also creates resistant starch. So pair that burger or steak with some pasta salad or potato salad, a whole grain pilaf, or maybe twice baked potatoes. And my final tip is probably the most important one, and that is don't eat red meat every day. So often, I think we take an overly black and white view of foods. A food is either good for you, in which case you should eat as much as you can, or it's bad for you, in which case it should never pass your lips. But how about something in between? Red meat is a nutritious food, but one that should be enjoyed in moderation. In the transcript for today's episode, which is available at nutritiondiva.quickanddirtytips.com, you'll find references for the research I discussed today and links to a lot of related episodes. And there's also a place for you to post your comments or your questions. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this or any other nutrition-related topic. And while you're on our website, be sure to sign up for my free weekly newsletter, which has lots more nutrition tips, recipes, and answers to your nutrition questions. Check out our other newsletters as well. They've got tips on everything from getting better results from your workout to getting ahead at work. It's all at quickanddirtytips.com, where our job is to help you do everything better. This is Monica Reinagel. Thanks for listening today. Have a great week, and remember to eat something good for me. 